Have you ever seen those blue and green spots on your walls, bathroom, shower, even cabinets? These guests in your house are most likely caused by rain, water leaks, or just by you opening the window for too long. Living in Miami, residents are exposed to this uninvited guest almost everywhere. And even worse, it can go undetected for too long. But what is it? Mold. Tune in to today's episode of the Community Resilience Podcast to learn more about it. We will explain what mold is, what to do to get rid of it, and how it can affect people's health. Stay with us. Hello, and welcome to the Community Resilience Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Disrochas, joined by my two amazing co-hosts. Hi, I'm Savannah Price. And I'm Masia Leiva. Thank you for listening and welcome back. How are you today, ladies? I'm doing well. Just, you know, a little wet from this rainy season. It seems to be an everyday thing at this point. And with rain comes flooding. And according to the Miami-Dade County website, given the geographical location of Miami, surrounded by major water bodies, the Atlantic Ocean, Biscayne Bay, and many rivers, lakes, and canals, major rain events sometimes leave rainwater nowhere to drain, causing occasional flooding in some areas. That's right, and it's scary. Last week, I was reading online an article by First Reef Foundation called Flood Risk Overview for Miami-Dade County on floodfactor.com, and it pointed out that 59% of properties in Miami-Dade are at risk of flooding. Wow, 59%. That means more than half of the total number of houses in Miami can get flooded. And just to be clear, that 59% is not only houses located near the water, like by the beach or by the bay. You don't need to live on the water to be underwater. It's the flood zone areas that could literally be anywhere, from the middle of the city to any part of Miami. Unfortunately, due to the high probability of flooding in this area, it leaves those with less resources at risk of losing their homes and being displaced. Yes, it's scary. So what can families do if they need help? What are some of the resources available for the community when they need to repair their homes or when they have mold in their property, but they don't have the means to fix it? Well, Steph, there are existing resources for the community. One of these is the nonprofit organization named SMASH, which stands for Struggle for Miami's Affordable and Sustainable Housing. This is a group of grassroots leaders from Liberty City, Overtown, and Little Havana, with a mission to create a community land trust to address the needs of inner-city Miami residents affected by the symptoms of gentrification, like slumlords, rising rents, and lack of community control. I want to welcome to our show today our guest, Taylor Snyder, who is a member of this organization. Taylor, have you seen any cases in the communities that Smash helps who have experienced mold at their property? One of our board members, Gigi, she lived in, uh, you know, what we refer to as slumlord-based housing, right? So her landlord was taking, you know, incredible advantage of lower-income folks who were living in his housing. And she had, you know, not only mold, like rats and like holes in the ceiling and like everything you can imagine that you don't want in your housing situation, right? She had it. Um, and, you know, it took a really big toll on her physical health, you know, like um, with issues with like respiratory problems, um, but also her mental health. So, you know, Adrian, who is our executive director, worked with Gigi to get her out of that housing situation. Um, I think they definitely, well, Gigi on her own before, you know, Smash even got involved, um, tried to do the whole remediation process, you know, just tried to get the mold out. Um, and all that stuff. And like, that's really expensive. And if you're work full time, uh, and if say you have to take care of kids too, right? Like you don't have time to do that. Um, so it, it wasn't successful. Right. And like, it, 
really rarely ever is. Ultimately, it had to be a situation where she had to get new housing. Um, but now she's in housing that's safe and healthy, um, and we're really happy about it. I'm so glad to hear that Smash was able to help Taylor. It really makes a difference when you hear these stories. How frequently would you say this happens? The fact that families have no other choice than to live in these unsafe conditions. Those things happen a lot. Um, we see mold a lot. I think um, water issues, um, like, you know, from flooding, uh, which is happening because of climate change. Places that weren't flooding before are flooding now, and those homes aren't built to handle that. Um, so that's a lot of issues. You know, like water will come up from the floors, warp the floorboards, um, make, you know, crazy hazards and stuff like that, which in turn gives you mold. Other stuff that can be pretty dangerous is central AC that's broken and takes a very, very long time to get fixed. Um, if you have pre-existing health issues and it's the middle of summer in Miami, it's, it's not okay to be sitting in an apartment or a house that doesn't have AC. Um, especially you don't have the, the ability to go get like a fan or something like that. Definitely. Being without AC in this hot Florida weather is a big problem. And no one should have to face these horrible living conditions that you mentioned, Taylor. But sadly, many families do. So our last question for you. How can people get in touch with SMASH if they need help? We are often in the community, right? Um, where we're based mostly around the area that our land trust is in Liberty City. Um, and we also have an office location at the Center for Social Change in Coralway. Um, we also have a phone number. So we're, we're always available. Um, and if folks can't find us on the internet because they don't have internet access, they can always go to our office or give us a call. Thank you very much, Taylor, for this valuable information and for everything Smash does for the community. We're going to add all of Smash's contact information in the description of today's episode so our listeners can take advantage of this organization. Guys, if I had these problems on my property, I would definitely sue my landlord. But not everyone has access to pay for that, Savannah. So the real question is, is there any organization that helps communities to take legal action? Yes, ladies, the People's Economic and Environmental Resilience Group, also known as PEER, has an equitable weatherization clinic that offers pro bono services to connect low-wealth households to existing weatherization programs. Lucky for us, we have Teresa Pinto here today, the senior staff attorney from PEER. Teresa, can you tell us a little about how PEER helps the community? So we are um, basically a nonprofit. Um, law firm, which means that we do pro bono and low bono uh, legal work very broadly. Um, and then within that, we kind of focus on environmental justice and environmental law, um, civil rights, um, climate justice. So we have these kind of like campaigns that we work on in collaboration with community to kind of build sustainable and economically feasible communities. Could you explain what the weatherization clinic is? So the clinic is to help um, communities who have a hard time accessing these programs, try and access them. Um, and through that clinic, we um, have clients yeah, who are having facing serious issues with their um, housing conditions. And so they have mold. Um, and because of the mold, they have um, respiratory diseases or, you know, they have other kind of health impacts. But who is responsible for fixing the problem? Like when mold makes a property uninhabitable, the landlord or the renter? Well, that's actually, it's a great question because it's, a, um, it's not very clear in our law. So there's no direct law um, like in our state or, or in the county that addresses mold. Um, 
there are some legal actions that you can take about kind of like the the tenantability of a housing, right? Meaning like how the conditions for living there, um, the kind of the warranty of habitability, like these are kind of um, legal um, ways of talking about, yeah, is the housing condition safe for a tenant? Um, and so you can use some of those um, kind of legal arguments and try and make claims in court if let's say a landlord isn't remediating, um, you know, your environment and, and getting rid of the mold and you're suffering from it. So this means when people have environmentally acquired illnesses from their uninhabitable properties, they could potentially sue their landlord and take them to court. But going to court really isn't a solution because you'd have to prove, you know, harm, right? So you'd have to actually prove some sort of medical condition, which it's super hard to do. And also in a lot of these communities, they don't have access even to regular medical care. So proving that harm would be hard. Thank you, Teresa. I think our biggest takeaway is that there's no real solution to the issue without federal and state laws in place. People facing environmentally acquired illnesses from their damaged properties often find themselves at a dead end. Yes, Steph, and that's exactly why organizations like SMASH and PEER work with the communities to make sure they find the best possible solutions to these issues. And one of these issues that is definitely affecting communities in Miami is mold. Steph, didn't you have mold in your house recently? Yes, unfortunately, I know what a house of mold can be. I had mold in my house, and the part that made it a lot worse than my family could even imagine is how much mold there was behind the wall, what we couldn't see. That resulted in my house not having AC for a whole two months because the mold grew and spread throughout the entire AC system. One thing I learned from that experience and speaking with a mold expert is that the mold you see, it's just the tip of the iceberg, an issue that is a lot bigger than what we see with the naked eye. This means that it doesn't matter how hard you look, you might not actually see the mold itself sometimes. Wow, I can't even imagine. Mold affects countless properties and communities in Miami but especially those who do not have the resources to deal with the consequences of water damage. Proper maintenance is critical when it comes to avoiding mold. And when communities lack the resources to maintain these buildings, the water damage leads to mold growth. That's right, Savannah. But I feel we need to break down what mold is. And according to the Florida Health Department, mold is a type of fungi. They grow in the natural environment and tiny particles of mold are found everywhere in indoor and outdoor air. In nature, mold helps break down dead materials and can be found growing on soils, foods, plants, and other items. But mold is also very common in buildings and homes where it needs moisture to grow. Indoors, mold growth can be found where humidity levels are high, like basements and showers. Mold produces microscopic cells called spores that are spread easily through the air. Spores can also be spread by water and insects, and live spores act like seeds forming new mold colonies when they find the right conditions. And that's the perfect segue to welcome our first guest today. To go deeper into this topic, we are joined by the one and only Mr. Mold, a.k.a. Joelle Highbloom, owner of Mr. Mold Inc., where they conduct forensic investigation and mold remediation for properties here in Miami. Joelle, what can you tell us about underprivileged areas in mold? The, the maintenance is very, very poor. And they don't... They don't uh, practically, you know, seal or paint. And as time goes by and weathering the sun and the, just the elements, the outside elements take place, uh, these these uh, buildings, they get really bad. The roofs, a lot of them in those projects, uh, which is what, you know, they're known for, have flat roofs. 
and flat roofs are huge problems, you know, after years of not giving proper maintenance. Unfortunately, it does not even stop there. Mold causes a number of different health issues known as environmentally acquired illness. Can you share with us, Joel, what are the symptoms? Usually the first signs are like strong headaches, but then it's followed by brain fog, memory loss. And the, what happens with molds, going back to the, to the smaller particulates, right? Remember I said that a, a, a spore is very, very small. It's microscopic. Well, it's between 0.3 and 0.8 microns to give you an idea, right? But the biggest, the biggest uh, signs, if you're in a house and you think that uh, it's been wet or you've had any sort of leaks, if you feel chronic fatigue after some of the first signs like headaches and other symptoms, depression, chronic fatigue is probably one of the biggest um, signs that you have after you experience, you know, mold exposure. Wow, that must be so difficult to diagnose if the doctors don't even know that they have mold in their homes. They can get so sick that they'll be misdiagnosed. Some of the most common misdiagnoses uh, for environmentally acquired illness is MS, multiple sclerosis, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, depression, uh, because what happens when mainstream medicine starts hearing that these people are, you know, that they can't think and they their cognitive decline, their IQ went down, they 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 think these they need to go to the psychiatrist, they need to go to the you know a psychologist, so they write them off. And like I said, these people are suffering all this time. But what can people do on their own if they see mold or suspect they have mold in their homes? I would recommend not using any chemicals that have VOCs. VOCs are volatile organic compounds. These are the chemicals that, uh, like, for instance, if you were to open up a bottle of uh, Clorox and you take a, a nice whiff, okay, you, your lungs are going to get irritated and you're, you're going to practically at that moment choke in, in time. Those are the volatile organic compounds that are being released at that moment that are causing uh, that reaction, which could end up being uh, a very serious uh, effect. Uh, and the last thing you want to use is bleach. The studies have shown that the watery ingredient in bleach, what it does is it feeds the mold and it comes back with a vengeance. All right. Thank you for joining us, Joel. If you want to get more information on mold or if you think you might have mold in your house, go to MrMoldRemoval.com. That's great, Stephanie. Thanks for sharing this information with our listeners. I found it so interesting what Joel explained about how tiny mold seems and all the chaos that can cause. Even affecting someone's health, that's really dangerous. Yes, and I can honestly say I learned so much about how to prevent health issues caused by mold that I never knew before. I agree with you guys. I also learned a lot, but most importantly, I hope our listeners learned too. And I hope they know they have resources available to them in these organizations. I wish we had more time to keep talking about this, but I guess we're going to have to wait until the next episode. Yes, me too. But that is all the time that we have for today's episode of the Community Resilience Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to having you back for the next episode, talking with more organizations in Miami-Dade, focusing on improving the quality and affordability of Miami housing. Thanks for listening. Please stay safe and don't forget to join us next week at the same time. Until then, take care of yourself and each other. Bye-bye.